0: Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, Built to Evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will help set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and leading practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy to be here. It is March something. I think it's the 19th already, 2021. The year is Zooming by, pun intended. We're here on Zoom with my special guest. We have a very interesting topic for you. But first, I have to announce that Deloitte has been recognized by SAP as the number one global partner. Congratulations to Deloitte. And you can follow along on Twitter at DeloitteSAP, all one word. So, let's talk about the future of work and talent. It may never be the same. The future was never the same because it isn't here yet. We'll go with that one another time. Employee expectations, behaviors, work habits, and values have shifted dramatically in the wake of we know what, the COVID-19 crisis, the global pandemic, call it what you will. Many of the changes have come about organically as organizations and individuals responded in the moment, at the moment, and improvised why we had to address emerging needs At that moment. Now it's time for businesses to get strategic as we see some kind of light at the end of the pandemic tunnel. It's time to envision, design, and create the next normal for talent acquisition and retention. I have a wonderful panel here of Deloitte HR and transformation specialists, and they're going to share some real-world insights that can help your organization, I'm speaking to our global listeners, thrive in the future of work. I'm happy to welcome, and they're going to introduce themselves in a moment, Deloitte's John Dilworth, newcomer to the Connecticut Enterprise. Welcome, John. Franz Dachelet, I'm finally pronouncing his name correctly, many times on radio with me, and Satish Badgi also many times. Satish, welcome back. We're going to ask them for their take on acquiring and retaining talent in the next normal. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome. Hope you're all having a great day wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and whatever stage of post-pandemic you are in, we're crossing our fingers for the world. Let's get started. John Dilworth, welcome. Nice to meet you for the first time. And John, I'm going to put you on speaker view and ask you to please introduce yourself. Give us a little bit of your bio. What do you do at Deloitte? And how did you get to this part of your career and what makes you a specialist on this topic? Welcome, John.
2: Oh, thank you, Bonnie. Uh, happy to be here and good, uh, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whenever you're listening to this, I guess. Uh, I started uh, at Deloitte 13 years ago after coming from uh, a public school. Uh, organization where I did recruiting and onboarding for them. And since then, I've just been passionate about recruiting and onboarding and, and uh, had the opportunity to work with companies across the globe, uh, designing and implementing recruiting and onboarding solutions. I, I, I say I started my HR career back in 2000, but it was just a year ago. When I was doing this that I learned or realized, that I actually was uh, an onboarding specialist or an onboarding lead back in the Air Force back in 1987. So I've, I've really been doing this for a while.
1: Nice to meet you very much. And how, how important is it that we talk about talent acquisition? I know, John, we've talked in, and Satish and Franz know this also, we've talked many times on many of my shows about the fact that many businesses had to be extraordinarily agile flexible, willing to pivot, to change their business models when the pandemic just gripped the whole world. And that means there may be a need for new types of talent, new types of acquisition and retention and training and upskilling as we see businesses emerge. Any quick comments on your passion for this part of our topic, John?
2: Well, I, You're right. Nimble and being able to pivot was key, especially in this last year, as we saw, you know, some industries just be devastated by by the COVID pandemic and, and completely shut down. Where others others thrived, if you think about grocery and retail and, mm-hmm. and how they had to pivot quickly to pick up and hire new talent. And then some of the I say collaboration we saw between industries as, as the airlines were shutting down, as they were actively helping their uh, their employees find work in the growing industries.
1: Thank you very much, John. Pleasure to have you. Let's move to our not newcomer, Franz Dachelet. So happy to see you, Franz. And I'd like you to, Franz. And if there's a chance that there might be five people in the world who don't remember you, I'm going to say tsk, tsk, shame on them. Talk to those five people, remind them who you are, what you do. And also, please share a little about your passion for this topic. Franz, welcome back. Go ahead.
3: Thank you. And uh, thank you for having me. My name is Frans Darklet. I uh, talk to you from the Netherlands, where I'm a partner in the human capital practice. And um, I've been advising many, many audiences, many organizations and, and people around the topic of people. And uh, the, the people side of things is the most important thing that we have in, in, in organizations. We have to make sure that we take care of them. We have to make sure that they develop. We have to make sure that they stay in our organizations and grow our organizations what uh, my passion is is that i've just written a report together with uh, with an organization mm. regarding uh i'm not sure if i is i'm allowed to, to mention the organization it's liberty global yes um but, uh, we've interviewed six twenty six 26 uh, leaders business leaders across uh, across the world around their uh, experiences with the pandemic, but also the future of work, uh, what they saw backtracking what they did already do about, uh, about the future of work and what they are doing now, and especially on what, what they've learned from this pandemic and how they mm-hmm. want to sort of grow their organization afterwards. So that's my passion, and my passion is also that I've been doing this for 25 years already, and uh, that I continue to do this with a lot of, a lot of uh, 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 energy and, and joy.
1: Thank you very much, Franz. Appreciate that. 25 years, my goodness. As we look back at our career, sometimes it's like, seriously, I've been doing what I do that long. And there come the insights, right? There comes the experience and the expertise and knowing what you're talking about. Speaking of knowing what you're talking about, my third guest today, Satish Baggi. Welcome back, Satish. And I'm going to say it might be the same five people in the world who didn't remember Franz. You can talk to those same five people and you tell them, remind them who you are. Satish, I'm putting you on speaker view. Go ahead.
4: Sure. Thank you, Bonnie. And good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone speaking to you from New York. Uh, I'm one of the human resource transformation leaders uh, here at Deloitte uh, in United States um, and uh, been uh, doing HR transformations and uh, you know large HR technology programs for about 25 years plus. Um, and 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 I think that the t- today's topic uh, especially is of interest to me because uh, you know I sincerely like to do uh, mentoring, coaching, and being with people. I think that's my passion. Uh, so I think that definitely, therefore, uh, Bonnie, you know, therefore, today's topic is of special interest to me.
1: Yes. Thank you very much and welcome back. Lovely to see the three of you. So now it's time to go to our quotes. If you're new to the Kinetic Enterprise, I asked my guests in advance to send me a quote from a movie. a song, a TV show. We had somebody quote a comedian last week. That's okay, too. Something that has absolutely nothing to do with the topic. And we're going to hear in their own words how they think it relates to the topic. We are get to hear them be philosophical or prosaic or comedic or whatever they want to do. But the quotes are very, very interesting. So listen up. John Dilworth has sent us a quote from the song Free Will by Rush. It's the second track on the 1980 album Permanent Waves by the Canadian progressive rock band Rush. The song's music was composed by Geddy Lee and Alex Lifeson. And the only reason I'm mentioning this is that lyrics were written by the late great drummer Neil Peart, who was widely mourned when he passed away last year. Here is the line from Free Will that John has selected to talk about. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. John, talk to me. How'd you pick this for our topic, please?
2: Oh, this, uh, this quote just resonates throughout life, especially... Well, specifically with me raising kids, it's uh, they. You ask them to do this or that, and they choose not to do anything. And eventually, it comes around and, and bites them in the backside. Sometimes, uh, we see that in business too, as we uh, as we work with clients around the globe and advise them on on how to do things. Sometimes they take our advice and and they sit on it. They you know they just do nothing and. Uh, out of fear of change, sometimes, mm-hmm. um, and we saw in the pandemic some of those some of those options to do nothing were quickly removed. As uh, you know, companies struggled with remote work and and options like that. That it was no longer a choice for some of them. And so, uh, is kind of how I tie it to this conversation here.
1: Thank you very much. Very interesting. Reminds me when I was. Uh, computer programmer analyst, which is what we called IT people way back in the day. And I'm considered, John, an early woman in tech. Somebody told me that. I don't know whether it was a compliment or not. It's just just a fact. We won't go into the years. And we were doing uh, learning binary math. I actually learned it in, in junior high school. And the question is, is it a zero? Is it a one? Is it on or off? But the zero is a choice, right? If it's not one, it's zero. Do nothing is a choice. And that's a great lesson in life, John. And I appreciate the quote very much. First time we've had Rush on the show, in a way, in a way. So thank you very much. Franz has sent us a quote from the Dead Poets Society, 1989 American teen drama film. I never realized it was a teen drama. I just thought it was a really cool movie. Uh, it was uh, directed by blah, 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 starring Robin Williams, a late great, set in the 1959 fictional elite conservative Vermont boarding school called the Welton Academy. It tells the story of an English teacher who inspires his students through his un, un inimitable and very unusual teaching of poetry. And here is the quote Franz has selected. Carpe diem. Seize the day, boys. Make your lives extraordinary. Franz, how'd you pick this one? I know it was with reluctance you picked this one. And tell me, well, what, is, it, God, what does it have to do with our topic? Go ahead.
3: Well, that, it, it, it is one of my favorite movies. I, I think uh, Robin Williams... Uh, uh, did a great job acting in that way and, and, and taking you with him uh, and the boys in, in that movie. Uh, I still see him on that desk speaking to them, uh, uh, inspiring them. And this is also why I chose the port. Uh, it is very important to inspire people. It's so easy to sort of live your life and, and think that it goes it passes by easily and without any, uh, any ripples. And I think you always have to create ripples. You have to make decisions. Like John also said, you have to make decisions to move forward and make the best out of things. Make, make your lives worthwhile. Make sure, make sure that you get every talent uh, uh, item that you have uh, out there and, and make sure that you use it in a proper way. And uh, this is why it, it connects to, to the, to the storyline today. And it is one of my favorite quotes.
1: Thank you very, it is, that's nice. Franz and I have an ongoing repartee about he really wants to quote Einstein, but for this show, <laughs> I'm I'm being full, full disclosure here, full, full transparency, everybody. And we go back and forth. And I say, no, it has to be a movie quote. He's, you know, it's going to be Einstein. But I love the quote you picked in France. It is, it is perfect because the time is now. This is the time to make those decisions, exactly. make those moves and find. I'm going to share a story about talent with all of you after we get to Satisha's quote. Satisha sent us a quote from Dickie Fox, played by Jared Jossum, it was called The Secret of Success Speech in the movie Jerry Maguire, 1996 American romantic comedy drama sports film. And Satish, with your permission, I'm just going to tell a little bit about how Jared jussum got to play the role of Dickie Fox. Jared jussum is an American lawyer. He was the Deputy General Counsel and Executive VP of the Intellectual Property Department of Sony Pictures Entertainment. Well, they were looking for somebody to play the role of Dickie Fox, and he happened to attend a producer's meeting. They, wanted, uh, they asked Billy Wilder to play the role, and Wilder said, go get an actor, because Billy Wilder is not an actor. Well, this, this gentleman, Jared Justum, walks into a production meeting with Cameron Crowe and James L. Brooks, and they said, okay, you're here, say one line. I don't know what the line was, but he says that they said, okay, you're hired, and he got a role in Jerry Maguire, and the guy guy is an EVP at Sony Pictures, so there you go. So much for acting, and right, I know that Franz did some acting in, in school, so there you go, Franz. Uh, here is the quote Satish has selected. From Dickie Fox in Jerry Maguire, the key to this business is personal relationships. I saw the quote. I saw the clip. It was really cool. Satish, talk to me.
4: Yes, thank you, Vani, and thanks for that good story. And and you're right. Although I think those of us who have seen this uh, movie, um, 1996, almost uh, you know, 15 years, 20 years back, that. Um, the state i think most of the people remember the quote show me the money you know uh, yes. but i think mm-hmm. i think this statement stuck to me the key to this business is personal relationship and i think especially when i see this business and and the business that uh, i am in and, and france and john are with me the consulting business you know solving problems for the client business i think that 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 statement is very profound that it's all about personal mm-hmm. relationships uh, and i think hence hence I think that statement, Bonnie. Yes.
1: Thank you very much. And, you know, I'm thinking of the word experience has come into the nomenclature, hasn't it? Customer experience, employee experience, everybody's having an experience. But it really comes down to those relationships, doesn't it, Satish? We talk about on social channels, don't sell to somebody, don't lecture, don't preach, don't force your sales approach down there. Create a relationship, get to know somebody. So personal relationships, Very. we even have something called relationship banking, I know, is a buzzword in the United States some big yes. bank where I used to work years ago <laughs> so there I just want to tell you all a story I, I, on my technology revolution the future of now show uh, this past week I had the pleasure of speaking with two chef restaurateurs restaurant owners and a woman in, in Atlanta Georgia and a woman who owns a winery that supplies wine to a major airline and a person from SAP who is involved with all these types of, of things and one of the biggest problems we looked at the predictions for the restaurant business I think you all might be surprised, is staffing, staffing. They can't find people to work in the restaurant business because other industries like delivery, huh? Warehousing, huh? Are grabbing a lot of young people at a decent hourly rate. And they're saying, why would I want to go do all the work in a restaurant when I can have an easier job? And they said uh, a recent very good weather weekend. I'm here in Durham and they were in Atlanta, recently good weekend. And they were able to provide lots of outdoor dining and they were they didn't have enough chefs. They didn't have enough waiters. They can't find talent. So we look, I think we're talking mostly about enterprises, but it's affecting the stack all the way down in different types of industries. Just wanted to add that. Now's the part of the show where we get to the very serious business of talking about our topic. If you're just tuning in, this is the Kinetic Enterprise Built to Evolve, presented by Deloitte. I'm Bonnie Degram here with John Dilworth. Franz Dachlet and Satish Baggi at also at Deloitte, all three of them. They are specialists on our topic, and our topic is acquiring retaining talents in the next normal, whatever that means to you. So we're gonna get now to our discussion statements. My guests have very graciously sent me four statements each. I'll pick one from each of you. We'll go around the table, John Dilworth. I'm starting with your statement number one. It was long and wonderful, wonderfully detailed. I'll read just a little bit. Ask you to unpack it, John. Take about two and a half, three minutes. Take your time. We're not in a rush. And then the magic sauce, I call it, will go around the table. I'll ask Franz to agree or disagree with John. John will take a disagreement in good spirit, I understand, Franz. And then we'll ask Satish to agree or disagree with either or both Franz and or John the other way around. So here's what John told me before the show. He says, the war for talent is never ending. The battle lines are constantly being drawn and redrawn. In a growing economy, skill talent can be scarce, requiring talent acquisition to develop new ways of sourcing. I'm going to stop there. John, great statement. Please kick this off. Go ahead, John.
2: Yeah. uh, Think about uh, when we first started talking about the war for talent. uh, um, the, The economy is actually in a down economy. And there was plenty of talent all around and recruiters challenge at that point in time was how do you quickly source through all the talent that's coming through and how do you find the best talent? Uh, then we hit, uh, you know, the economy peaked up and all of a sudden the talent's gone and where do you find the talent? So when we got hit with COVID, uh, talent became confused almost. Right. So people either were, uh, let go companies quit uh, recruiting for a quick period of time but then as the industry shifted and some of the you know some industries peaked some industries uh, uh, didn't then they had to adjust for how do you uh, how do you recruit for that in this time and and throughout that wherever the battle lines are drawn whether you have to source through a lot of talent or whether you have to find scarce talent uh, it's often found that the best talent is already working and isn't necessarily looking for work. So so it's town acquisition. How do you adjust for that?
1: Very interesting. Thank you. Does that mean stealing people, John? Does that mean going into other industries or other businesses and saying, hey, because I remember years ago, there was a software company on Long Island that was holding a lot of cocktail parties and a lot of events, and they were looking for IT people, and I was working for another company, and our people were going to these Wednesday gatherings, and before you knew it, they were being acquired by... So it was just basically... Used to be called poaching, John. If you could just elaborate on that, what do you think? Is is that poaching part of this? Those sources?
2: It's I, I would prefer to call it borrowing. Um, <laughs> you don't get to keep them forever, right? Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, sourcing talent, uh, reaching out through social media now, LinkedIn and, and such, right? Finding finding people where they're at instead of waiting for people to find you, uh, and especially in this this day and age where you know, the the need for talent and the role that, that uh employees are playing in the organization are 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 shifting. So to to find that that diamond in the rough, that needle in the mm-hmm. haystack, you have to look uh in different places and in different ways.
1: Thank you. I like what you said, where they are. Very, very interesting. Good point. Let's go around the table. Franz, respond to what John started off with, please. Agree or disagree, Franz, go ahead.
3: I agree. I think that uh, John made an excellent point about uh, the war for talent and uh, the way we have to source talent and that we have to uh, look at alternative ways to to source talent. What we found in our study uh, uh, with leaders across the world is that they say, well, we have to have more purpose if we want to attract the right talent. We have to make sure that we appeal to them in a different way because they're not looking just for a job. They look for belonging and they look for the ways to do their work. So that has to appeal to them in in a structural way, and then and it has to embody that in in the in the in the mission of the of the company. So if you don't do that, uh, they can work virtually anywhere. So they are not very loyal in the sense that we, that, that uh, previous generations were. They are more loyal to sort of say. Uh, We connect. We connect really on the purpose level. I belong to the company. I recognize myself in the company. And that is something that is a trend we see upcoming now. Uh, With the pandemic, it is hard for talent to sort of gauge themselves. Where am I? What am I doing? So John is absolutely right about that. And even more looking for belonging in the virtual world to connect to the companies they work with or to the companies they want to work for.
1: Thank you very much.
4: Satish, you're up. What do you think? Uh, yes i think um both france and john made good points i agree with john um i think uh, and i can relate to it i think um one of the uh, points i want to make is relationship-based careers uh, and and one of the recent deloitte books called work disrupted future of the work actually talks about it and i think that goes back to what france said if there's a relationship you know people talk to each other and the second point i want to make is allow people to make personal choices. So as -hmm. as this future of the work is changing and when people are reaching out, and I think to John's point, people are not actively looking out, but if there is someone who says, hey, I can make personal choices now in this new workplace and therefore I'm going to make this choice of moving from one place to another, I think that's exactly what people are looking for in the new normal, the flexibility. And hence, you know, I think I agree with John, great point.
1: Thank you, John. That was a great point. John, I'm going to give you an opportunity to say anything back to the two gentlemen who shared the panel with you. Anything you want to say?
2: No, they're so agreeable.
1: (laughs) Well, this could be a first. I'm only teasing. I can't remember how it went the last time. John, thank you for the great conversation started. We appreciate that. I'm going to go now to, let's see, we've got Franz up next. Franz, I'm looking at statement number one. This is interesting. You say businesses need to take a step back and reimagine work. Let me just read the first sentence. Digital capabilities encompassing secure infrastructure and organizational ability, agility built on delegated decision-making are more important now than ever. Franz, take over. What do you think?
3: Yeah, well, this uh, this is a, a statement that I, I wanted to put out there because we don't realize enough how the, the world has changed in in a digital world. So mm-hmm. now we're looking at screens to each other. So don't, the the walking into an office is gone, the individual meetings are gone. We are looking towards having having a limited means of of talking to each other and making the making each other comfortable in a, in a digital room. So uh we have to be sure as leaders that we create new habits and our employees and the people that work with us need to create new habits as well. Things are going quicker. So yesterday I was doing a talk for for uh, for for an organization. They said, "Well, uh, I have about 14 Zoom meetings a day." And that was not extraordinary to them. They said, "Oh yeah, we have that as well." And we have to find a new way to communicate, we have new way to uh, to distribute and delegate decision making to ensure that who the people we work with and the people who work for us mm-hmm. are uh, uh, equipped with a with a, a, a decent size of autonomy, uh, trust, and belonging to make sure that they feel uh, empowered in the organization.
1: Interesting. And Franz, in the if we can just step into the COVID lens. Talk about trust and autonomy, people working from home, at home, in home, with families, with needs of keeping a home or taking care of children or becoming the ad hoc teachers, instructors, mentors, guidance counselors for children of multiple ages with curricula these people have not seen or not familiar with, and they still need to do their job, and they still want to work and have to work. And think about trust, autonomy, responsibility, and giving them the bandwidth to do their job, but maybe in a different lens, in a different framework. It has changed so much. Satish, let's get your take on the wonderful points Franz just shared. That doesn't mean I agree or disagree with him. It's up to you Satish, go <laughs> yes, ahead. Yes.
4: No, no, it's a wonderful point. And I think I can definitely relate to it day to day for our uh, last entire year. And I think my take is, I think the leaders, and the individuals I think both are changing I think over the last year I think uh, if I if I'm looking at me and and, and my team I think as a leader I, I got to make sure that I give that flexibility to people I give that autonomy to the people and 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 the well-being that comes with it uh, so as a leader I, I need to adapt and I think as an individual when that that there's a trust right so the person has to because end of the day together we still have a job to do right amongst all this. So that individual also has to adapt and make sure that, that 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 trust is well placed and therefore together we deliver and become part of the team. So good good point, France. I'm with you.
1: Yeah. Thank you. John Dilworth, I'm going to put you up on speaker view. What do you think? Agree or disagree with either or both? You're up.
4: Oh,
2: I think that the collaboration and trust factor is is, is really important. I also think it, it helps build strong teams when uh, when you allow your team members or those who work for you to to participate in decision making and participate in driving things forward, it, it builds a synergy. Uh, I remember working with one uh, one of uh, the companies I worked with and, and my counterpart uh, was was working with me but didn't feel empowered to make decisions didn't feel empowered to uh, uh, to fully engage and it it, it was a struggle, right? But if you, if you allow your team members to be part of that journey and to take take place in that, then it it uh, helps drive your cl- uh, company forward.
1: Thank you very much. And let's go back to Franz. Anything you want to say back to the other two panelists?
2: Well,
3: I'm, I'm very happy that Satish mentioned well-being because we, we tend to forget. Uh, we work really hard at uh, the beginning of the day, the end of the day. It is totally disrupted. So we have to look at that. Uh, point to say, okay. How do we stay sane? How do we make sure that we relax enough? And look at each other's health, but also going back to the topic, how do we communicate this to new people that are going to come to our to our companies to work for us and with us to ensure that they feel. Uh, uh, um, secure in the in 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 the way that they have to work to onboard in a in a in a digital world is a, quite a different uh, area, so well-being is key in in the post uh, post-COVID period as well.
1: Thank you very much. Absolutely. Let's move on. I'm going to statement number two from Satish. I like statement number one. We'll cover that later, but I think you're going to weave it in. So Satish says connecting social enterprise with kinetic enterprise is helping. He adds Facebook may be not just for families and close friends. It's okay to connect with coworkers. It's helping. Oh, Satish, I can't wait to hear this one. Go ahead.
4: Sure, sure. And I know, I think France earlier almost made a reference to the social enterprise. I mean, we all know that the true definition of social enterprise is basically profit with purpose, right? There has to be uh, the revenue growth and profit making uh, still has to respect what's around us, you know, whether it's the social, the surroundings. uh, And I think that's exactly what people are now looking for. So going back to, I think, John's point on how do we attract the talent and retain the talent? And I think there are more and more people now who are asking, are you, are you like socially responsible? Is this enterprise now socially connected, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and interestingly, you will find there are reports which says almost more than 60 to 65% of the employees now are looking for enterprises which are socially responsible. And and then comes all this, you know, the, the technology tools, right? I think whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Instagram, the boundaries are gone. And I think people are now mm-hmm. are connecting uh, and, and therefore want to make sure that, hey, Satish or France as the leaders, how what are their views and how are they in this, you know, in this social uh, ecosystem? So hence, I think I found that very interesting that I think social and kinetic have come together.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Satish, before we move on to John and Franz to get their responses, I have a question for you. I've noticed that LinkedIn has become much more active in the past year in terms of socializing content and more and more people are podcasting and live streaming and sharing. Well, they've always shared, you know, they have the, the setting turned on. I got a new job. I got a new position. I've moved that kind of thing. But do you find that LinkedIn, which is more of a business channel hub, is becoming more part of that socialization of people and companies? What's your thoughts? Satish. Yes,
4: I think that's a good observation, Bonnie. Over last year, I, I made a statement. I think LinkedIn in many respects has almost become like Facebook and Instagram. I think the, the barriers have gone a little bit away and people are putting personal photographs in some cases and the news items. Uh, and I think part of the uh, and, and, and I think that's a good thing, I feel. It's because I think the world has come together. And I think what happened over the last year, I think people people came much closer to each other. Uh, and I think, therefore, I think in LinkedIn, in, even though it was strictly business, uh, it's almost like, you know, I taking away my tie, uh, you know, necktie from my suit. I think that's exactly what happened in the LinkedIn.
1: Yeah. Very interesting. It's always interesting to me how people are dressed when they show up on Zoom. I'll tell you that. I want you all to know that I go to bed looking like this, you know, with the the hair and the makeup, the lipstick, the flower, the black sparkly sweater. I I go to sleep like this because I have so many shows every week. I I can't afford to not have my brand. So, you know, if it was a necktie, I would would probably sleep with it, too. So let's go around the table. Uh, John, you're sitting next to Satish, whether you knew it or not john dilworth comments on this social channel socialization of businesses what do you think
2: well uh, you know not to to bring up old quotes but the the key to this business is personal relationships yep and you look at uh, just the social app ab- aspect of like facebook for example it's when i first started in this career facebook well maybe facebook wasn't a thing but when facebook started uh you know you kept your personal life personal and you kept your your work life separate but over time i found that more and more of the companies i work with i've become friends with them and have invited them into to my world right my personal mm-hmm. life through through facebook and and through other avenues uh or they've invited me into theirs uh, you know but there's some caution to that too right it's it's a double-edged sword because you know, especially in this this last year that we went through, and you know, uh, you can offend people and, mm. and drive business away too. So it's, um, so it's a, it is a double edged sword. But the but I, I do think overall it works for the best. The more authentic you can be and bringing your authentic self, uh, it, it again drives back to the, the previous conversation. The the more authentic you can be, the more you can bring yourself. To to your work, to the job, to to the relationship, the stronger that relationship is going to be. Whether it's with my colleagues and coworkers, or whether it's with the uh, companies I serve.
1: Thank you. Very interesting input about being authentic, yes, and about running the risk of offending somebody. I'll tell you a brief story afterwards. Franz, love to get your take on this. Socializing through social channels, bringing people closer. Go ahead, Franz.
3: Well, you know, uh, and we at the Loiter uh, have been have been uh, publishing uh, our Human Capital Trends reports about, about the involvement of, of how society works, and especially introducing the word humanize in into to the the, the, the st- construct of the uh, social enterprise, and it means basically there is a demasking of everything that was uh, well, they said necktie, you said your flower. But uh, we have a virtual background now, and not always people have a virtual background. So you look Mm -hmm. into their homes, you look into, you see their cats, you see their dogs, you see their children, and I think that uh, the blending of the world is not through only through through um, platforms, but it's also through the camera. Yes. We look at each other. We see each other. And we know more about each other than we ever did before because uh, we uh, we get a, a peek into people's homes. So it's really interesting to see how people deal with that and uh, how we could get more and more close to each other. And I think that between clients, between organization, between us as colleagues, uh, people in general, um, we are more connected than ever uh, on a, in a different way. And that's a real uh, benefit of, of this of this uh, period uh, whereas I, I i feel that uh, it used to be a little more static it's now more interactive and some people even uh, even uh, make sure that they have to separate uh, several groups to do to share this content with to uh, to engage and to stay connected
1: thank you. very interesting topic satish this was yours anything you want to add to that
4: I think my, my the closing comment there, Bonnie, is, uh, you know, I'll start with me, so always start where we live, start where, with your surroundings, start with your teams, and, and, and then, you know, uh, one bit at a time, and we can get there.
1: Interesting. I'm going to bring up a term some of you may remember from the early days of what we used to call desktop publishing. I learned desktop publishing, graphic design on Pagemaker, which was a precursor of Quark (laughs) Express. I know I'm dating myself. And I remember there was something called WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. So great points, gentlemen. When you see somebody on Zoom or on any other conference platform, digital conferencing platform, and they're not using, as Fran said, a... Prescribed virtual background that's either beautifully blurred, like the clouds behind Satish, or and John with your name and Deloitte on it, or Franz sitting in some kind of open uh, open atrium with chairs that are not populated right now because they're probably still in shutdown mode. I'm just adding that comment. there. It's a wonderful
3: office in uh, in Amsterdam.
1: It's absolutely gorgeous. I I wish I was there. Maybe maybe I will travel there one day and meet you, Franz, in person. Uh, when you see somebody just getting onto Zoom and they've got the kids and the dogs and whatever's going on in the spouse or the vacuum cleaner in the back, what you see is what you get. And our framework today is talent acquisition and retention. So maybe you get to see that person not in their going to interview clothes with the shiny shoes and the best tie and, and the best handbag and the best makeup, but you get to see them as they are. As you were, as you are, very interesting in terms of hiring. Maybe you get a peek into who they are, how they respond. You know, they often say if you want to know how somebody would be as a mate, see how they treat a waiter or waitress in a restaurant. Are they condescending? Are they kind? Are they pleasant? Are they respectful? Are they measured? Are they hostile? That's a, So, in a way, yes, I'm rambling on here, but that was a really, really good topic. Thank you very much. Franz, we have time for a couple of more, and I didn't have time to put it into the, I'm sorry, not Franz, uh, John. I'm going to John first. John, I'm going to go to your statement number four, and I'm going to pop it into the chat here for you because it's so good. I'd like to go here. So, let me read a little bit. John says, strategic onboarding can lead to a better connected and therefore a more productive workforce. Let's talk about strategic onboarding. John Dilworth, take me through this please, just a minute or two, two minutes, be great.
2: Sure. Um, You know, many companies treat onboarding uh, as if it's a task or a list of boxes to check bringing somebody into your organization. But honestly, companies should really be taking a look at onboarding more like a marriage proposal or engagement. Um, So Deloitte defines onboarding as the process of hiring, orienting, and immersing new employees into their roles and into Mm. the organization's culture. And... onboarding is based, I like to talk about like four pillars of onboarding or four legs to a stool. Uh, You have data flow, compliance, paperwork, and provisioning of access, and culture. And companies that don't pay enough attention to the culture uh, have a shorter leg on that, right? I like to call it wobbly onboarding. But the, the key to that culture is engagement. And if you think about a marriage proposal. Uh, for those who are married, you remember the day that you or were asked, or you asked uh, your partner if they'd marry you, and they said yes.
1: Mm-hmm. You didn't
2: just set a date and then hope everybody showed up three months <laughs> down the road, right? That's you right. spent that engagement period nurturing the, mm-hmm. the relationship, right? Growing the relationship, setting goals for each other for the future, right? And then you get to day one, which is like the wedding day, right? It's a it's a it's a big moment in people's lives, so that got to be planned for it's got to be celebrated and then it doesn't end there right you have your first 30 60 90 days of employment where I like to draw that to analogy of the honeymoon right mm-hmm. so
0: um,
2: I find that you know through that engagement through that connectivity um, and we talked a little bit about belonging before uh, you know that that when people feel that they belong when they feel they have a purpose, for the work, not just a job to do, but I have, I have a tie to this company, I have a purpose in this organization, they become more productive. So when you build that relationship, when you build that uh, nurture and, and develop that culture, you develop more productive employees. Uh, and then conversely, anywhere between 30 and 40% of people who, who leave an organization uh, in the first year tend to make the decision to leave in the first 60 days. Mm-hmm. And most who do leave because they failed to make that connection, right? So, so with a good strategic onboarding program, you end up with people who are connected who tend to be more productive uh, versus those who, who haven't made that connection and then tend to either leave or be less productive.
1: John, I am really appreciating the analogy. The dating, the proposal, the planning, the marriage, the honeymoon. Very well done. Very romantic approach, actually. <laughs> and real world, who, who can't relate to this? Whether you've done it, whether you've been there, or whether you just see it in the movies or on TV, we all know that process. So let's go around the table and let's see who agrees or disagrees or wants to add some roses or a limo to the mix here. Franz <laughs> Go ahead.
3: Yes, and I, and I think it's an excellent point and an excellent analog- analogy. Hi. Uh, I wanted to sort of uh, uh, challenge our audience to think a little bit further ahead. So mm-hmm. before you go into dating and everything else, uh, how do you make sure that you're visible? How do you make sure that you connect? Because what we tend, tend to see in strategic uh, acquisition uh, and, and, and talent acquisition processes is that we have to have a value, a brand value. We have to make sure that we are recognized, that we are in a place that people can meet us and that that, that the, the handshake between, uh, before the dating even, and just the looking at each other, that it's there. So brand uh, awareness, making sure that your, your message is out there in the marketplace, that you um Make sure that uh, the process that John is is, is uh, uh, describing is not a, is not over when people sort of get in. So the the effective date of joining a company mm-hmm. is is not uh, that relevant as being sort of looking back after the first year, saying, "Listen, how did I experience that?" So we we recognize that in our teams as well. So we have. Uh, Buddies, for example, we have specific Hmm. events, we try to be personal, we have coffee dates, we make sure that people not only connect on a professional level, but also on a personal level. We choose people, we don't choose professionals, we choose people to join our teams. We want to make sure that they gel well, because uh, good teams do good performance.
1: I want to work there. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never forget when I was hired by a, I'll just say a major real estate company to be their marketing director in New York many, many years ago. And I was all excited. I had left a big bank job in the city. I I lived on Long Island. I didn't want to commute anymore. And it just seemed the right thing for me to do. And they hired me. And the first day on the job, the woman with whom I was going to share an office said to me, we don't want you here. We don't need you here. You're encroaching on my job position. I don't want you taking away the events which I've been planning. This is my domain. And why? Watch out. That was how I was greeted on the first day. Can you imagine, and I don't know when this was in cell phone era, I ran to the nearest phone outside, I think it was a pay phone down the block at lunch, and I called my mother and I said, what the blood did I just do? I left a good job in the city and I moved to <laughs> Long Island and they don't want me here. And it was an uphill battle the entire way in that job. Day by day, it was a fight to stay stable and be sane and keep doing the work and the owners of the the company, a male and a female, we're both very high powered, very type A, would come into my office and one would say, if you do, he would say, if you do what she said, you will single-handedly blow up the company, Bonnie, don't listen to this person. And then she would come in and say, if you listen to what he said, you're going to have no career with us. So I was the battleground between the two owners. And I have a feeling this may happen in smaller companies where France, they don't have welcoming committees and they don't have buddy systems and they don't have get to know us events They hire you, and then they brutalize you. Anyway, I'm getting a little too far here, but it was an interesting experience, and I'll never forget it because it basically said to me – John, it said to me, I've been invited to my own engagement party. I married them and I didn't look to see what was in the cupboards and what they were really like when they didn't have their fancy clothes on, if you know what I mean. So, it was a very interesting talking about corporate culture. Let's go to Satish. Anything you want to say about strategic onboarding? Go ahead, Satish.
4: Yes, yes. And I think um, France Mm -hmm. earlier referred to this um, human capital survey. I think there are There are these three concepts, uh, very interesting concepts in that survey work, workforce and workplace right mm-hmm. uh, and we are talking about workforce and employee which is you know the onboarding and if I look at the the new normal and the next normal uh, I think where where France was going that's exactly what now the uh, the employee who is getting onboarded mm-hmm. is is looking for right like what's my well-being going to be mm-hmm. uh, what's the agenda here for diversity and inclusion uh, and you know do I feel belonged here As uh, John said it, it's this first 60 days right where where all that is going to be in place and like france said all these different mechanisms uh, which help that employee to be in place and i think one interesting concept that happened over last year is of course what we talked earlier in the conversation is socially connecting so when that new person socially connects with the rest of the team that he or she is going to work with Mm -hmm. i think that helps even more with this new new normal of onboarding yeah
1: Thank you very much. John, very interesting topic, very provocative. Anything you briefly want to say back to the other panelists?
4: I
2: think that, that connection that uh, Satish just mentioned is key to it. And it doesn't always take technology, right? Sometimes it's just having a process in place where uh, you get an announcement that uh, somebody's joining the company. And uh, as, as part of an interview team, I still do interviews at Deloitte. When I find out that somebody I interviewed is joining the company, I pick up the phone, I give them a call, I say, hey, welcome to Deloitte.
1: Wow. Nice touch. Nice touch. And I know that handwritten thank you notes and appreciation notes are coming back into favor. They have been in the past couple of years. Pick up a pen or a pencil or a marker, use a pretty piece of stationery, put a stamp on it, find the person still and tell them, I'm looking forward to working with you. I appreciate you. We have time for squeezing in one more statement here. Franz, I'm looking at your statement number four. Let's talk about equality. And you quote William Gibson, the future is here. Actually, the full quote is the future is already here. It's just not very evenly distributed. And your point here is you talk about a joint Deloitte and MIT survey found 90% of companies believe yearly upskilling, that's where I want you to go, is required to enable employees to keep up with tech advances. Franz, why don't you take, we got nine minutes left, why don't you take about two and a half and then we'll see what Satish and John have to say. Go ahead, Franz.
3: Great, great. Yes, so rearchitecting work means that we have to look at uh, our current uh, workforce and, and look at the, what their what their capabilities are. But it is our obligation, and it's a joint obligation. So, both employees and employers need to think about how to reskill people. We found that uh, skills are, are valid for only one or two years and that you have to up, update your skills again, to not only to do the technology advance, but also to make sure that you're still relevant and that you still can keep up with, with everything that's going on in the world. This, this means basically that uh, within within the equality statement that we've put out there that we look at saying, okay, are we are we looking at a single homo- homogeneous workforce or are we looking at a various groups of people? Some of them will have location-based uh, jobs, some of them are knowledge workers, some of them. All of these people have different set of angles towards them. We have to deal with this. We have to make sure that everybody stays relevant. Coming back to the war for talent, it's not just new talent. It is existing talent that we still have to develop, that we still have to engage, that we still have to make sure that people are on the ball and can deliver the value that they can bring.
1: Thank you. And that was a double or triple-edged sword, deliver the value they can bring. And that's for the person, for the company, for the team, for everything. Exactly. Thank you. Very, very interesting comment. Satish, why don't we get a quick comment from you and then one from John, then we'll think about wrapping up. Go ahead, Satish. Yes, yes, funny.
4: And I think in the last few months, uh, many people reached out to me via LinkedIn and other, and they asked, what's, what's the crystal ball, right? Where is, where is this all going? Uh, and in the next normal, as, as Franz put in his statement, like, how do I stay market relevant? How do I future proof my career? Uh, I think that, that, that's a great point. That's a big conversation. And I've been telling people that, uh, hey, context independent capabilities development is definitely one area uh, you stay relevant uh, passion and capability development there has to be passion it's not just a job that's going to get you there and then other routine things like ability agility uh, and 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 you know that's exactly what will help you to stay market relevant uh, and then the skills will come automatically you know whether artificial intelligence is in demand or robotic process automation is in demand you'll get there you know but Let's let's concentrate on the core.
1: Thank you very much. Let's go around the table to John. John Dilworth, what do you think?
2: I think as as companies are looking to upskill their workers, uh, implementing new technologies t- and and getting their workers up to speed, they they have to remember that their workforce is is diverse, or hopefully it's diverse, right? And in that mm-hmm. in that diversity, people are going to have different learning styles and and ways to adjust to that. So you have to think about how do you approach that in different ways or do you just, because if you look at it in a, a single lens, you're by default leaving some of your own employees behind.
1: Thank you very much. Good topic, Franz. I appreciate that. We've got about six minutes left and I think what we'll do is a lightning round of crystal ball predictions. Where is this all going? Perhaps how will the best companies, the best run companies figure out how to win in the talent war, how will people who are looking for meaningful work that provides a living, a livable income for them and their families, or just them if they're single, how will they be able to engage with companies to find that meaningful work or that fun job or something that makes them want to get up in the morning, whether they're walking in the other room, going on the computer to do remote work, or whether they're actually physically going to a location or doing something physical like delivery, or if they're a frontline worker, how will they? How will this unfold? And let's use the lens of let's see. We're in mid March, twenty twenty one. Why don't we say by the end of twenty twenty two? Let's project out a little bit. So let's go around the table. Just a brief prediction. Uh, about a minute each would be fine. Minute and a half. John, you're up first. What do you see coming up the pike down the down the road? Whatever direction you want to go.
2: Well, I think uh, going back to my first statement about the battle lines being. Redrawn. Mm-hmm. I think as the economy picks up, as as the economy opens up, I think we're going to find that uh, the war for talent is going to be even even harder because companies are taking these places and, and building that culture of community within their within their workforce. So we're going to have fewer people in the market, people uh, tighter integrated in their own organizations, and I think uh, for recruiters, they're going to have to get back to the drawing board and figure out how do I get that next talent
1: thank you very much next talent next normal I like that John that could be a slogan that could be a webinar that could be a podcast where do you find the next talent for the next normal I like that very much okay France what's your prediction please go ahead
3: yeah and I have a little bit of background because of the liberty uh, global report that we wrote together mm-hmm. with them is that we asked this question and they said well uh, you have to what we are going to see is a a gel between work workforce and workplace so we have to design the way we go to work when we go to work how we can go to work and that the work is still relevant to what we want to achieve as an organization and as an individual. The individual will invest in new skills. The organization will invest in new ways of working together. And I think within the next year, we will see a, a, a balance between how we do work from home, work from the office, and also how we innovate our work with new technology.
1: Thank you very much. Innovate our work with new technology. Satish, well, they were so brief, so concise, Satish. (laughs) I'm looking at the clock. We have two and a half minutes left, and I'm willing to give about 80 seconds of that to you, Satish. So go ahead. Take your time. Sure.
4: (laughs) I will. I'll bring back the employee to the center and I would say that it's not just about money or the sign-on bonuses while attracting the talent and retaining the talent, but it's the physical, it's the mental, it's the financial, and it's the social health, right? If I put those four dimensions, physical, mental, financial, Mm -hmm. and social. I think if I manage the health of an employee within those four dimensions, people will come, they will stay, and we will have a team.
1: I like that. And we will have a team and we are a team here, the four of us. And I'm so happy to welcome you. John Dilworth, it's been a real pleasure getting to know you. I still can't get over your marriage proposal and honeymoon analogy. That really rocked. That was very, very well done. France, it's always wonderful to see you. And I love the view of your office, the virtual view. Thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you for sharing the study you did with Liberty. Very interesting. We like having reference numbers, right? We like having statistics. like having facts to back up what we say. And thank you for bringing that. Satisha. it's always wonderful to see you and thank you for your insights. And so let's put our hands together and thank two people. Let's thank Aaron Keller, my engineer at World Talk Radio Voice America. And let's thank the man of the hour, Igosa Obak-Pilor, who is managing these shows now. And Igosa, wonderful choice of panelists, wonderful choice of topic. Thank you so much. So I think we're just about ready to say goodbye. Anybody have any, any quick a personal shout out, anybody? john or Fr- i never do this but anybody have a personal shout out i got about 10 seconds anybody hello to john anybody oh,
2: hey to my kids i hope they're listening
1: and okay and- hope so franz any shout outs
3: yeah hey, hey to my colleagues who are listening i'm sure and uh, hey to my my little daughter or my granddaughter uh for 16
4: fleur okay and satish quick shout out yeah hi to my team in north carolina
1: <laughs> oh, and I, you know, you know, I'm in Durham, you know, yes, you yes. know, so, so and you're in New York. Yes. And I'm, yes. I'm a New Yorker. We have to talk. So thank you very much to everyone. And a shout out to the woman, lady who used to be working with EGOSA, uh, Carla Neal at Deloitte. Best wishes on your new position. And a shout out to Helen Tomas at Deloitte, who is a sponsor of this series. Thank you. I'm Bonnie D. Graham signing off for The Kinetic Enterprise. Everybody have a great day. Be safe, be smart, be savvy, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Kinetic Enterprise Built to Evolve, presented by Deloitte. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com slash SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.